0: Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. One of the things I want to do today is uh, is share a a message that I've been actually ministering in all Equipus churches. You might have been there when I've actually spoken on one and you've heard this sermon, but I'm deliberately doing it because I really... Believe that sometimes there's uh, sort of missing links in our Christianity and our walk with Jesus. And I, I think often people have got a greater belief system than a knowing. And I'm more about the knowing, even though I do have a strong belief system. But the Bible talks, especially in the New Testament, about knowing Christ, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And this sermon really came as uh, the beginning of the year in the Auckland Church, and I think here in Christchurch, we talked about living inside out, not outside in, and the importance of knowing Christ in you to govern your humanity, to direct your path, to direct your steps, whereas religion really basically wants to direct people from the outside in. It's about rules, it's about conditions, it's about trying to find a principle outside you to help you. But often what you find is that you're always left empty. Religion can't do what Christ can do. And what we need to do is understand that because a whole lot of laws and rules, how many, uh, uh, the older I get, the less I like rules uh, rules and laws, amen? Because I get condemned because I can't live by them. But when I find the power of Christ in me, I can do something that I can never do through a rule or a law, or just trying in my mind to govern it. And today I want to give you four scriptures, and these scriptures'll we'll go through quickly, but they one is establishing vision, the other establishing the principle of what happens when you're born again. And I want to share with you something that's been very helpful for me to let Christ in me govern my life. And I pray it's helpful. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I speak the anointing of God over his word to perform it, and I pray that we will leave here today with a sense of understanding of the wonder of Christ in us. First scripture is found in 3 John, it's just a small uh, epistles at the end of the Bible, if you're looking up in the Bible, and just verse two, 3 John verse two, no chapters in this, but it really gives you a vision, just one verse, which really helps in a way to capulate uh, um, a whole lot of different themes throughout the New Testament. And it just says, "Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers." And the whole essence of what John is communicating is God's desire is that we might prosper when it talks about prosperity. Straight away people's minds will go to money. And I think God wants us to prosper financially, but that's not the essence of what that word means. It's talking about well-being. It's talking about not being living your life on an emotional roller coaster. It talks about living your life with a sense of well-being. Your mind, that's your your, your, your thinking, your willing, and your emotions, your the way you feel, somehow gets governed now by the Holy Spirit. And it just basically says here that prosperity will determine your health. And when you get your soul together, it has a major impact on the way you actually live your life. And they actually say, I'm not a doctor, but having read, it says that probably 80 to 85% of sicknesses are emotionally induced. So therefore, high blood pressure, a whole lot of things can go through. And basically, it affects our, our physical far more than you realize. And often when you're younger, and uh, I once was young, people don't think you were, but you were. So when you were younger, I often think, I, for the first 40 years of my life, I did what I wanted to do. The next 40 years, I paid for it. <laughs> Any over 40 know what I mean. You, you, you actually pay for your, your, in a way, your carelessness. But the next 40 years, you've got to start things very much. You've got to begin to live and reap the consequences of what God, uh, what you've really neglected in the first 40 years. And I, I really believe God wants to help us because I believe God wants a generation of people who know how to prosper in their marriage. They know how to prosper in their work. They know how to prosper in their health. They know how to prosper in their well-being. And, and I pray that we can see that generation rise up. And I also believe that God's wanting this generation to, to know a greater sense of health. Jesus is our healer. But perhaps he wants us not to get sick, <laughs> even though we will. But perhaps there's a way we can actually help not getting sick, by just letting God govern from the inside out of our life. The next scripture is found in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 22 to 23. That doesn't mean I'm, I'm preaching that none of you are going to get sick because we are under the curse, and that does happen. But 1 Peter chapter 1 really gives you now just an added benefit to what this really happens. It's like God's got a vision for our life, but He never, he, he never leaves you alone. He sent us the Holy Spirit. And that's the essence of Christianity. Christianity to me is not rules and laws. Christianity is a dynamic relationship that I've now enjoyed for I don't know how many years because Christ lives in me. And in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22 to 23, it says, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the, the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, And it says, having been born again, not of a corruptible seed, but an incorruptible seed through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. And it uses an important word there. It says the word incorruptible. Perhaps you're not a believer here. You're visiting this morning. This is the power of the message of the church. When you open your heart to Jesus, the Bible says God comes into your life, and He causes you, He uses the term, He causes you to be born again of a seed that can never be destroyed. It's an incorruptible seed. It doesn't matter what you do with it, it will never, ever be destroyed. But our responsibility is to actually let the seed find an environment where it can grow. And a lot of Christians haven't given room for this incorruptible seed. It's not growing from the inside out. They're still trying to learn to govern their life from the inside in, outside in. But when you let the word of God, this incorruptible seed grow from the inside out, it will change you. You won't change overnight, but you will change. And the wonderful testimony of being older is it works. Can I just tell you it works? (laughs) It works. I can look back and I can remember my struggles and I still struggle from time to time. But this seed works. It changes you. It doesn't change you by self-determination. It doesn't change by effort, but it changes by creating an environment of grace. It changes by creating an environment where this seed can grow. I read an article some years ago, we, where they went into the pyramids of Egypt, and these have been there for 4,000 years. I've been in one of them. And, but, but they went in, it had been closed up. The door had been closed. They opened it up after thousands of years, went in right into the middle of it, and they found some seed. They got the seed, and they brought some of the seed out of the, the pyramid, and they decided to put it in the ground. They nurtured it with water, and it grew. Even though it had been locked up for 4,000 years, given the right environment, nurtured, it grew. I sometimes wonder, and my thought, which I want to challenge you with, is there probably could be some Christians who are pyramids. they made a response to Jesus, the seed has been born into their spirit, but it's lived in a tomb, has never found expression to grow, has never found expression to change their humanity, their vulnerability, and every single person, when we walked through that door today, we came with vulnerability. And it's only this seed that can change your life. It's only the seed, that's why everybody is individually responsible for what they do with the seed. I'm responsible for the seed, the seed which God allowed me in my humanity to to be born again with, to change me into His likeness. The third third scripture, which comes from the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah, and it really establishes the premise of what I want to communicate to you today, because many people in this room are not pyramids. Amen? Sometimes, some Christians are. You feel as though you wanna get a, you, you wanna get a big, uh, one of those kanga hammers out and break them open. You know, that's almost like the seeds inside. Nothing's got, there's no life there. But many of us have a sincere belief. We love God. We love Jesus. I would dare to say most of us in this room today, we love Jesus. We sincerely responded to the gospel, We've sincerely been born again. We know that Jesus dwells in our hearts. We even know His presence. But somehow, and I'm gonna use a word, we feel exposed. <laughs> Amen, we feel exposed, we feel vulnerable. We feel as though we're under attack. And we've never learned how to build our life in a way that no longer do we feel exposed. But yet, that is the nature of what Paul speaks about in the New Testament. And in Isaiah chapter 60, going to the Old Testament, this Isaiah gives you a a picture that I wanna build. It says, but you shall call your walls salvation and your gates praise. So he's giving us a, 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 a view of something that I think is really important to actually journey in your Christian life so that you don't feel exposed. You don't feel vulnerable. You're building something that can actually endure. It doesn't matter where you are, you can actually stand. Uh, many of you might know a good friend of uh, our movement. Her name is Eileen Somerville. And Eileen Somerville was a missionary Uh from our, was sent from our movement. Uh, she was in a place called Burkina Faso. If you're a bit older, you'll remember it was the Upper Volta. And Helen and I have been there three times. And you know, when you, when you go there, you just think, where do you find reprieve? From the heat? There's no coffee shop around the corner. Uh, people are dying every day of AIDS malnutrition, just the severity of it challenged my Christianity. I went there and I, thought, I said to Eileen, how do you survive? She said, I know who's in me. I know who's in me. I survive because I know greater is he that's in me than where I live in my environment. And she taught me a real lesson that her strength was not found in her environment. Her strength was found in a person by the name of Jesus Christ who has saved her and lives within her. And she had built around her a wall that was able to protect her from the environment that she lived in. Whereas we in, in, you know, in New Zealand, I think we're building manby-pandy Christians. And I actually feel like just saying to some people, can you please grow up? (laughs) Can you please grow up? How big is Jesus in you? Is everything determined by your environment? Or do you acknowledge that the creator of the universe is in you? How many like that? (laughs) The Creator, do you think He can handle your problems? I think He can if you let Him. And it says in this Scripture, your walls shall be salvation. How many can remember last year? We shall build a wall. Amen, we're gonna keep the who out? The Mexicans out? We're gonna build a wall. And that wall is gonna have a gate in it. And you're not going to get into America unless you've got your visa right. It hasn't happened yet, but you haven't got, you, you haven't got your visa right. You haven't got a, the, the ability. You haven't got a permit to get in. You're not coming through. We're keeping you out. We're protecting America. Now, I'm not being political. It's a good illustration. It's a good illustration. What he was saying is, unless things are right, you're not coming into our country. I'm going to build a wall. Now, we don't build literal walls around our soul, but we can build walls of salvation that we can protect ourselves from the world we live in. And we can actually have gates that say, only this is going to come into my life and some things are going to go out of my life. Do you hear me? Why? Because we're protecting this incorruptible seed. So the incorruptible sea can actually have God's desired fruit and impact in our life. We live from the inside out. If you go on into the Bible, which we'll come to the Scripture in a moment, in the book of Nehemiah, it talks about he found that the walls were broken down and the gates had been worked, burned with fire. And the moment he heard it, the Bible says he was deeply distressed. Why? Because the city he loved was exposed. It was vulnerable. It was open to the attack of three people. One's, uh, three people's names were Tobiah, Sambalat, and Grisham. And they all have meanings, but it was almost like that they could walk around Jerusalem. Here we are, we're in. Put up with us. And all they were wanting to do was condemn, put fear into them, destroy them to destroy the morality of the city. And the moment Nehemiah heard that there were no walls protecting his loved city, he was so burdened. And I think that this is what motivated this message. I got concerned because I saw Christians who sincerely love God, but it was as though they're living their life exposed. The enemy is almost like he's got right to get in. Why? Because there's no walls of salvation protecting him. Around Jerusalem, they had a wall that had 12 gates. Each gate had a meaning. I'm just gonna mention two of them. One gate was called the water gate because Jerusalem had no internal source of water it had to get its water from the outside. The water could only ever come through this gate. It was called the water gate. It's where the water came in to replenish the city. Now, please don't get, don't condemn me. Don't don't attack me. It's biblical. The next gate was called the dung gate. Modern terminology, crap. <laughs> if you want to be more, illustrative, you might put an S word there. You might. But that's what it was. Why? Because you never ever took the sewerage out through the water gate and had to go out through a design gate called the dung gate. And every gate had a point of reference. There was a wall protecting, but there were gates. And when Nehemiah heard that these gates were burned with fire, and the wall was destroyed, he became burdened. And I think we should in the church because New Zealand doesn't need another religion. Pentecostal, equippers. It needs to communicate an authentic Christ to a broken humanity and then show people how you can live in this nation without being corrupted by it. Like Eileen Somerville lived in Burkina Faso, but never let Burkina Faso get in her. She changed the nation. And I believe right now God is raising up a generation of people who know uh, the Christ is, that's in them, but have built walls of salvation coming into New Zealand. You go through a gate. I go through it many times a year. You go through, it's almost like it never gets easier. Where have you been, Mr. Monk? I feel as though, but I'm just coming home. (laughs) But they want to know where you've been, what you've done. Okay, you can go that way. Or no, no, today you're going that way. Why? Because they're protecting the country. They're protecting the country. They're protecting what's inside this nation. Praise God for it so that we're not exposed to the enemy. So Nehemiah in chapter four, which is the last scripture I wanna mention, Nehemiah chapter one, it just talks about the survivors who were left from the captivity in the province were in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down, its gates are burned with fire. And so it was when I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was praying, uh, fasting and praying before the God of heaven. He sat down and he wept. Why? Because Jerusalem was vulnerable, was open to attack. Your believing mind can never do what the incorruptible seed of Christ in you can achieve. Can never do it. You can I, I I've met people. And I, I please you might be one of these, but I, no, not one of these. But you might have this degree. But I met people who've got doctorates of theology who are absolute idiots. So if your mind is going to change your heart, they should be changed. But they're living a life that I would never inspire me. I want a life that changes our world. Not creates another doctrine, but changes the world we live in. So today what I want to do, and that's why I've got these chairs, I want to build a wall. Amen? This is how I built the wall around my life. I'm not perfect, but I've wanted to live out of the Christ in me. Amen? I want Christ to change my life. I want my life to matter. I want to find that the areas as a young man, when I was growing up, I felt vulnerable in, I want to find that now I've got strength in. I've overcome, amen? How many want to live like that? I want to help people now find that place of victory. It doesn't often come through casting out another demon. It simply comes by building a wall of salvation, making sure you've got gates of praise. The gates are able to let things in this is a gate today. I think church, that's why I value church. Why? Because it's a gate where my soul can be watered and replenished. I need it. I, I, I I'm, hope I'm not too graphic, but I've gotta have a crap gate. I've got to, why? I have some crappy things sometimes. Amen, does anyone else agree with it? if you haven't got your hand up, you're an absolute liar everybody's got those things in their life that you struggle with. I know I've told this here before. One day my wife said to me, she said, I don't like your anger. And I said, I'm not angry, no. (laughs) And then time went on, and then she said to me, I can't take any more of your anger. And I was leading our movement. I'm a preacher. She said, I can't take any more of your anger. The next morning I woke up, I was being very godly, I was having my devotion. Reading the Word of God, the Spirit of God spoke to me and for the first time, I remembered what she said. <laughs> Other times it's just, no, 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 I'm just a passionate person. That's who I am. Short fuse. That's who you're married. Then I heard the statement, I can't take any more of your anger. And then I heard these words, nor can I. Who was speaking? The Holy Spirit. I've had enough. I want to change you. I want to build a wall. I want you to understand salvation is not just. I'm a Jesus follower. No, it's about, I was saved when I was 12, but every day of my life, I am being saved. I'm being saved from myself. There's areas that God's dealing with. The first thing that I found that God dealt with me in my life was my own personal self-worth. I was insecure. I used my expression of anger to try and carve my path. I was insecure. I didn't know who I was. I think most people, I would say everybody, through your teenage years, through your coming into adult, we go through a period of insecurity. We don't know who we are. We, we, know, we, we know that we've sort of got a name, but we're not secure. We're trying to find our identity. And the wonderful part about being saved is God wants to work on your self-worth. He wants you to know who you are. I'll illustrate, just as a simple illustration. Uh, many of you know Sam. Uh, he's married to a girl by the name of Kathy. Uh, all grow, they both grew up in the church. She, her ethnic background is she's Samoan. Now, he's European, five generations, Kiwi. Been in New Zealand, Our ancestors came in 1840. So five generations. They have kids. One's a girl, is Michaela. The next one's Ruby. And the next one's Sophia. They've got dark skin. Brown skin. <laughs> They've got brown skin. But come on, you've got to listen to me. Just listen. Yeah. Now, you might look at them and say, Brown skin, they're Samoan. Are they? Are they? just because they've got brown skin? Come on, are they? Don't forget, I'm their granddad. <laughs> Don't forget, Sam's their dad. <laughs> so now is their cult, is their there, there ethnic or their identity established by the color of their skin or by who they are? And I think often we're letting the colour of our skin determine who we are rather than letting Christ determine who we are and we establish our background. doesn't mean we don't have cultural expression. But you can never be defined purely by your culture. You can only be defined by the love of God. The greater you know that God loves you, the more secure you'll be as a person and you'll be able to rise up and it doesn't matter where you go you will live with a real identity. You will have a self-worth. And I believe one of the challenges in the Christian church is that we build this wall of salvation, that we are secure with who we are, that we're not trying to be someone we're not. Can I say to you, and none of these in themselves are wrong. A degree does not give you identity. People think if only I had a million dollars, I'd be happy. No, you won't because it doesn't do with you what only the Word of God can do. Never do it. Some people think if I just become a pastor, I'll be happy. I'll let you know it doesn't happen. <laughs> On a good day, I can call myself an apostle. I can actually even call myself a bishop. <laughs> Some people call me Pastor. My sons call me the old man. (laughs) And when I go home, my wife says, take the rubbish out, please. (laughs) None of those things give you an identity. It's only the Word of God. It's only God establishing who you are that you gain identity. The next area is your moral compass. We're in a world where There's so many seductive spirits, forces. Pornography is on the front front page of Facebook. Doesn't matter where you go, we live in a world where the sewers are coming into our lounge through what we call a TV. Some people wonder why they never get victory. What are you watching? What are you reading? What are you feeding yourself on? No, I, I I I might be old and prudish, but I want to be healthy. I've got a moral compass. I build a moral compass. I, I no no, I'm not doing that. Why? Because I want to maintain the integrity of my life. I want a wife. Two days' time we've been married 47 years. still standing as so am I <laughs> but when I travel I want a wife that can trust me why? because I have a moral compass it's called a wall of salvation it's protecting me I've built it I've decided to build it There's certain things I do certain things I won't do why? because I've built a moral I've got a moral compass I've got a wall of salvation that protects who I am doesn't mean to say I'm not tempted. Everyone's tempted. But so was Jesus. But He built a wall. He knew how to protect Himself. And that moral compass in your life is very important. But if you just think, ah, oh, no, no, He's just an old prudish preacher. I need to have a good book. I need to have a watch a program that's filled with garbage and lust and, and seductive forces. That's how I relax. Oh, you've got a wall broken down. You've got a wall broken down. The enemy's got direct access into your soul. He, he's got direct access. Even though you love God, you believe Him, He's got direct access in. No, no, come on. We need to be a bit smarter than that. We need a wall. We need something that protects us. I like you playing good. It's supposed to make me finish quicker, but I've got a few chairs to go. <laughs> the watch the next one is health I think God God wants you to look after your health I uh, just a month ago turned 69 so I'm not a young man frightening when you think you're in your 70th year 70 the beginning of 19 what are we now 2016 <laughs> shows you that's a little sign I'm almost 70 now <laughs> 2016, the Holy Spirit spoke to me absolutely clearly. I knew it was Him. He just said, I prepared you all the years up to now, your preparation years. Your best years are ahead of you. And I was sitting there and I think, don't you know how old I am? (laughs) I'm meant to be thinking of retirement. No, no, I prepared you for this. I prepared you, your best years are ahead of you. I looked at myself and thought, yeah, the old weight could be looked after a bit better. I decided to go to a doctor. I had blood tests. I went to a cardiologist, had to pay for it because they have no health insurance. Put me on a treadmill, checked the pressure of my heart, blood pressure. Went to a skin specialist. I have to go back on Tuesday. They're going to cut a wee bit more out of my shoulder. I a young man, baked in the sun a wee bit too much, but they said nothing to worry about. We've got it all. I decided, well, if I'm going, if my best year's ahead of me, I'm gonna make sure I do my part. Amen. How many will last? Can I give you some frightening statistics? Now, it's frightening. I was in, uh, in Ghana, average age, 59. Tonga, average age, 59, 60. Samoa, Average age, 59, 60. Average age in New Zealand is 83, 84. Who would want to live in New Zealand? (laughs) It'll last possibly 20 years more. Why? Because we're trying to teach people to look after their health. You've got the power to determine whether you last or don't. It's about building a wall. God says this is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Look after yourself. Walk. Run. Do something. It's not the only thing, but look after yourself. You got the power to to win. My father-in-law is ninety-three. He drove his motorhome last week from Levin to Auckland. It was so cold. He was going to stop through the night. He was so cold. He drove right through the night and arrived in Auckland at eight o'clock in the morning, ready for breakfast. He's ninety-three. one night he has a sleep the next day he gets up and he goes shopping he buys four flat pack cabinets and the next three days he builds them he's 93 he says to me he said I'm not dead yet boy I believe that we have the power to determine things the next one We've got to move quickly as financial success. Financial prosperity. Your finances are important. Delay gratification. The number of people who are living. I've got one. I'll pull it out. What are they called? Credit cards. How many get angry when you hear how much the director of ANZ gets? How many get angry? Something like four million a year, I think, that's in corporate pay. Not bad pay. Not bad. Westpac. ASB. If you are paying credit card interest, never moan at how much they get. 22% you pay to them a year. 22%. You're making them rich. I want to make me rich. (laughs) Amen. And I think we need financial integrity. Sometimes it's just simply called young people delayed gratification. My father gave me a proverb and he just simply says, Bruce, never borrow money for coal. What's my proverb mean? That I've taught my kids and I teach the church all around the world. My father's proverb never borrow money for coal. It's borrowing money for something you receive today that makes you warm When you wake up in the morning, you have nothing. Holiday. Don't do it. Don't be an idiot. Just get a tent. Go to the beach. You don't need a five-star hotel. Come on, just do it a bit simple. Come on, suck it up. Grow up. Far better to have Financial security than to be making Westpac, Westpac, all their directors wealthy, wealthy. Amen. Come on, get a bit of indignation in your spirit. Learn to tithe. Learn to give. Not a subject I'm going to teach this morning, but learn to. I taught all my kids when they were ten. One dollar, ten cents is Jesus. Why? because I know the principle of giving opens the windows of heaven. The next area is relational. Relational. How many here? Come down, shall I? I need to hurry up, don't I? Just, I've got 10 minutes. I'm working towards Habast. Right. How many here have been offended? Put your hand up. Again, I'd say if you haven't, you're a liar. (laughs) Because everyone is. The closer you get to someone, the more likely you are of being hurt. The more likely you are of being offended. Everyone goes through life where you're challenged to forgive. It's just part of life. It's part of life. Remember getting an email. It was the worst email I've ever received. Remember reading it and boy that anger fuse was very short and it hit and I was angry I was angry I I was angry that my fist clenched and I wanted to punch that person's lights out even though I'd never done it to anyone in my life I felt like it I was angry two days went by I woke up on Monday morning Holy Spirit that spoke to me, Bruce, are you going to let this control the rest of your life? Or are you going to release it from you? And that day I just said, in Jesus' name, I don't like what that man said. I think there was so much untruth in it. I'd showed it to my wife, I'd showed it to my son, and they agreed with me, I had right to be angry. But I just said, today in the name of Jesus, I release that person from my judgment. And I right now forgive them because I do not want to walk through life with the limp of an offence. I'm never going to let that destroy me. That day I built a wall of salvation. It protected me. If I hadn't, I would use a conversation, but you don't know what he did. But these days, I can like his Facebook posts. It doesn't hurt me. Amen. One girl came up to me. I, Helen and I were used to plant the church in Wanganui. They had a 20-year celebration. She came up to me, and I didn't recognize her, which probably wasn't helpful. <sighs> and she walked up to me as a lady who was, you could tell, the scars of life all over. And she said these words. She said, 20 years ago, you hurt me. And I said, and you've been carrying that hurt for 20 years? Why, I've been walking free. See, an offence only destroys the person who carries it. Doesn't matter how right you are to have it, but it only destroys the person who carries it. And that's why the Christian church has got to learn Release people from their judgment and walk with forgiveness. It's just part of life. It's part of life. If you've been hurt in another church, come on, get over it. Because you'll never rise above your hurt. You've got to allow something of your spirit to be released from the judgment that can destroy you. What are these walls of salvation? They help protect you. Quickly, one, two to go. See, each one's got a gate. Isn't that amazing? Your career. I think God, God loves. He's made us all. We're unique. We have something unique about our life. We're all called to something special. Amen. And I, I, I just love it. Like I, I've got four kids. My daughter is. Her name's Rebecca. She's 46 or something. And then there's Hamish. And I celebrate Hamish because he is an architect in Auckland who's already won two world competitions for his architecture. And is this year again, three times, three of his designs have been nominated for the World Architecture Again thing in Berlin. And he, when he was a young boy, he was in his mum, he's very young, he's in his mum's womb. <laughs> And a prophet came through and prophesied and said, this will be a blessed young man. And then as he grew up, you listen to your prophecies over your kids because it's shaping their destiny. And then this guy came in and says that you have a golden tongue. You will be able to capture the attention of many through your words. What does a preacher think when he hears that prophecy over his son? do you think? He's going to be a preacher. But out of all my kids, he's never wanted to be a preacher. But boy, he has a golden tongue. And one of the concepts he won, the person who commissioned him said, you're the only architect we've ever employed that can interpret our dreams." He's called. That's his mark in life. He loves the church. He's in church this morning. But he knows that that's what he's called to do. Sam's the preacher. The younger son's a businessman. But they all love God. Come on, they all love God. They're serving God in their career. We need to find that. One little grandson, i got 12 grandkids, but one, one, he's about eight or nine, and they were teaching them in children's church about the self-awareness and identity and what you've been called to. And he comes home and he looks at my wife, Helen, and he looks up. They call her Mammy and he, he looks up, she's not very tall, so <laughs> looked up at Helen and he says, You know, Mammy, he said there's something incredible inside of me. He's nine. And then he said these words which really made it even more powerful, that I'm yet to discover. nine-year-old. Do you know there's something incredible? When you're born again of the Holy Spirit, there's something incredible inside of you. And God wants to build that wall of salvation so that you begin to understand that you're unique, you're called, God's made, made you special. Finally, community. We're all designed for community. Could I have this five people quickly come up the stage. I want a mixture of age, necessity, sex. Quick, come in. Five or six people. Come on, big guy there. The Asian girl, would you mind coming over here? Yeah, yeah, you. Yeah, right. not living a relationship with God in isolation. You can't stay home and think, oh, well, I'm just having church at home. I can watch the best services in the world. Never change your life. You need this. You need me. (laughs) I need you. I need people from different cultures. I need little kids. I need an older person on the end of the road someone older than me. But we need one another. Why? Because this is church. Church is about community. It's about coming together with your vulnerability, your strengths, acknowledging one another, how much we need one another. I don't bring it all. I only bring a part. I it's a very small part. That's church. Church is about understanding each other's uniqueness it's about being in communities it's about linking together understanding that we all have a part to play and it's not what we do on Sunday it's what we do together in the week and impacting Christchurch in our nation this is church I praise God that I'm colorblind both naturally and spiritually Because for me, church is enriched through culture, through old, through young, young men going out in the adventures of life, young couples getting married, people tripping over, people falling over, but we all understand and we come under, we strengthen to go again. This is church. This is church. It's where I bring what I can. This is church. I was not preaching I normally go home on a Sunday afternoon, why? Because I go to church, do I have to? No but I go because I love the church that I'm part of I sit in the front row and they have a mosh pit does anyone know what a mosh pit is? where all the young men and young women come down I tell you some nights there the odours are not really very good (laughs) I'm not sure whether it's all under arm either. <laughs> these guys are jumping up and down, girls. And when it comes to worship, I just see, and put their hand up. Some nights I just want to cry. Because that's church. I build a wall. Why? Because I need church. Amen. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch.